0: Keep building those brilliant
1: businesses. So good afternoon everyone. Welcome to a brilliant businesses podcast. I'm Nick Bryant and I'm with Pam Locke, the Lock Associates Offices. Hey Pam. Hi there. How are you? I'm
0: good, thank you. Good.
1: I guess we can say Happy New Year because I'm not seeing you this year yet. We can still say that, yes, you're right. Happy New Year to you too. Excellent. Um, So we've got three topics we're going to talk about today. Um, The first one is flexible working and um, the changes that have happened and happening around the four-day working week. Um, We're going to talk about the the menopause um, uh, after a a House of Commons um, committee findings, which was in February 2022. And then finally, we're going to talk about redundancies because there's been some large businesses that have um, been making more people redundancies than small businesses, which is really bizarre. But um, so let's talk about the flexible working and, um, and, and go into that a bit, Pam, if you can.
0: Well, I think it's important to talk about it because mm. it's going to affect a lot of businesses. I mean, at the moment, we've got flexible working regulations that um, basically enable anyone with more than 26 weeks service to make a request to change their hours, change location, basically change the terms and conditions of employment. Um, and that's going to be changing because what's going to happen is they're going to create this, what we call a day one write. right. So from the first day of employment, um, anyone can go in and ask uh, to change, you know, the terms of what they, where they're working right. and, you know, how they're working. So that's going to impact businesses because obviously you might think you've recruited somebody to do a particular job, but then they come and say, well, actually... I'd like to make a flexible working request. And the other change that's going to happen is, is that, uh, at the moment, the employee has to set out how they think it's going to impact, you know, the change that they would like made, how that's going to impact on the employer's business. And that enables the employer to make a sort of reconsidered decision. But what the government is concerned about is that employers are using that to sort of reject requests. And you've got eight grounds on which you can re- reject requests, and they're quite wide. Right. So what is really underneath this or underpinning this is the government is trying to introduce more flexibility enable more people to remain in the workforce mm. by having arrangement, flexible arrangements put in place so it's making it easier for employees to be able to be granted flexible working requests yeah, yeah. that they want to make
1: so for an employee, that's um, that's, quite a, that's quite a strength to go into their new employers and say, look, actually, those hours you've set out for me, I disagree with those. I want to do these instead. And they've got every right to do that, that's what you're saying. And, um, well, they
0: can request it. Can I mean, request... obviously, you're still going to have a situation where an employer has to give it serious consideration and can reject it. Mm. But they're going to have to be really careful about how they, they go about that. And okay. They're going to have a shorter period of time as well. So instead of having three months to consider it, they're only going to have two months. Right. Um, so I think it's going to be... tougher for employers to reject requests going forward.
1: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's going to be tricky for them. Well, there's already Uh, been
0: some negative output. I mean, you know, there's (laughs) been a negative reaction to it by employers, um, particularly, um, you know, Dyson. They've come out and said that they are really concerned about the impact it's going to have on them and other businesses.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And the four-day working week, um, where does that fit in with it all?
0: Well, the government have been trialling this. Um, mm. They set up a special project. There were 70 businesses, different sizes, took part in it, and it started um, last year. Yeah. It's now completed, and we're waiting for the results. There has been some positive you know, uh, reactions to it. Um, there is one business in Brighton that's decided they're going to keep on uh, doing that. Um it, it basically was a pilot just to see if it, it was it was going to have an impact on yeah. productivity. Yeah. And as I say, there seems to be a suggestion by nearly half of the companies that took part that there has been an improvement in productivity. Okay. Um, so there are a lot of businesses that are now looking at how they can retain staff, which still remains a massive problem yeah. for businesses mm. because we've still got you know, a lack of people with suitable skills in the marketplace. So you do want, you don't want to lose your staff. Mm -hmm. So a lot of businesses have been thinking about how can we keep our staff happy? And there is um, quite a sort of uh, a wealth of opinion that actually moving to a four day week might be something that could appeal to a lot of people. Of course, it doesn't work for every sector.
1: No, right.
0: You know, but, you know, I think it's opening your mind thinking about how you can be more flexible, more creative about how you work with your staff engaging with them as to what they would like as well. So there's no point in you thinking, well, actually, a four-day week sounds like something our staff would like. You know, we do a lot of staff surveys for clients and, and it's principally just trying to establish what are staff wanting.
1: Yeah. You- yeah, I guess employees have got to up their game all the time, haven't they? To yeah. make sure they're not going to lose some staff because we were saying earlier, you know, they can get headhunted at any time. That phone call can come and they get a better deal or they, there's... So they must it must be hard for employers to keep coming up with new ideas to to make sure their employees are happy.
0: Some of it is the basic things though. I mean, yeah. you know, just saying thanks, yeah. you know, for work. It's, it doesn't cost anything, but it mm. carries a lot. Mm. Um, you know, looking at your benefit packages is important. We were talking earlier about training and actually that's really important. Mm. Training and developing your staff and we've, you know, we've got lock like, training and wellbeing which is designed to Look at how we can sort of work with you to help you, you know, develop, train your staff, but also look after their wellbeing as well. Because again, that's something else that employees are expecting their employers to to do more for them. So it's important to look at it holistically in the whole.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's a really good, really good point um yeah and if anyone's got any questions about that please get in touch with pam because she, she can help you about that. um let's move on to the next topic which was um menopause and the workplace and um obviously it's a big big discussional point that happened in the house of commons um, last year talk us through what's going on with that
0: i mean obviously there's a lot more in the media about this because yeah. i mean there's obviously more women in the workplace now that are beginning to sort of reach menopausal or are already perimenopausal so um We've obviously seen Davina McCall talking about yes, it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so the good thing is, is that there is some more discussion in the workplace because it is something that we, we need to confront and deal with. Mm. Um, however, what we've had is we've had the House of Commons carried out, uh, a, a, one of their committees, the Women and Equalities Committee carried out, um, an investigation and produced their out, their out, output yeah. in terms of their findings. Now, what has happened since last February when they produced that was we've had the government come out with its um, its response on each of the points and it was disappointing to some extent because I think there were some quick wins that could have been made in terms of trying to really help employers um, manage the menopause mm. um, but the government has sort of recognised that there needs to be um, better training for example for GPs right. um, it's also recognised there should be a change in the way the HRT is charged for in the workplace itself they've decided there needs to be um, not a menopause champion as the um, committee suggested but a menopause ambassador to try right. and raise awareness mm. but uh, one of the disappointing things is that there seems to be a government that's got a lack of a grasp on what's happening in the workplace because they've rejected the idea that some sort you know guidelines should be issued and model menopause policies should be uh, produced because they think that many employers are already doing that. Now, certainly, that's not my experience. And, (laughs) and, you know, the surveys are showing one in a 100 employers have got a menopause policy. Mm. So there seems to be um, a a disconnect between actually what's happening in reality and what the government think is going on. And they've used the public service, sorry, civil service as a sort of comparator. And I'm not... It's just not what's happening in reality in, in the private sector. Yeah. So, But it is something that employers need to be doing. I, okay. mean, I think you can't just put your head in the sand and think this is not going to affect you. Um, oh. You know, it's it, it, or oh, it's it, going to go away. It's going to go away. It's not, and and you know, and especially you know, if we we want to attract people, you know, we want to retain people in the workplace. We don't want to be losing people that are in their fifties yeah. um, because they're menopausal, mm. and that's what's happening at the moment. A lot of women are leaving their jobs because they're struggling to cope, mm. and partly that's because they're not they're concerned about opening up about okay. what's what's happening with them, yeah, and about the stigma that might be attached to it yeah. or being discriminated against. And the government has decided it's not going to make the menopause a protected characteristic to give it that give it that extra legal protection mm-hmm. so that's there's some disappointment there in terms of how they've approached it mm-hmm. However, as I say, I think it's almost going to get forced upon employers because, we have got more and more women that are remaining, mm. you know, and people that are are, are menopausal in remaining in the workplace, mm. and we are going to have to deal with it. Yeah, and manage it. Yeah,
1: I mean, so um, the the question of what employers can do to support their staff with it, I guess it's it it's sort of obvious. It's just being aware of it, making sure you're you're. you're you know, you're a bit warm to it. You're not, you know, you don't push it to one side. It's just the obvious things, isn't
0: it? It is, but Mm. sometimes the obvious things aren't obvious to everybody. Yeah, sure. You know, you've got probably a really good awareness about, you know, what's going on um, Mm. with women, um, with, you know, in in society. But there's some people don't appreciate, you know, the impact because they've never had any exposure to it. Mm. You know, I did, I've been talking about the menopause for years now and trying to encourage discussion about it and making it less of a taboo subject. And I remember younger members of staff, you know, would say to me, this is what's going to happen to me, you yeah. know. And they didn't understand. They didn't know that. Um, and and you know, you, yeah, it affects obviously not just you know women, but it affects the partners. Yeah. Mm. It affects you know other colleagues in the team. So yes, raising awareness, training people, having a policy, demonstrating that you're actually embracing it, and you you know you're not shying away from the subject. Yeah. I think is really important. Other things you need to think about are things like, for example, again, it might be obvious to you, but mm. making sure you've got proper ventilation. So, you know, if somebody's having a
1: yeah, flush, a
0: flush mm. then they're, they're comfortable thinking about whether, you know, they're seated near a window or a vent, you know, better ventilation around them. Um, having water um, mm. facility, better water drinking facility so they can have water when they want to have it. There's some really, really obvious things, but actually many employers are not aware of that and or mm. thinking about it. So, mm. There's lots of things you can do. It's just um, thinking about
1: it. Mm. My my partner um, has dreadful headaches, really bad ones, um, and she she works from home and um, she gets through it. But um, she's never said anything to to the people that she's working with. She just you know fights her way through it. But she gets terrible migraines. So, um, and I'm sure if she did say something, that I, I would like to think that they support her in some way, shape or form. But it's an it's an example of what you were just saying, where you know it doesn't get spoken about.
0: And I think the, other, the flip side of that is that I have a concern that actually there's a lot of symptoms that could be associated with the menopause, mm. but they're not always because of the menopause. They might be because of something else. Okay. Yeah. And I've got a concern that actually it's really important we talk about the menopause, but actually it's important to get, you know, to go to a doctor if you're not sure, because actually it might not be due yeah, to right. the menopause. It might be something more serious. And I've experienced that on a personal level where someone thought it was the menopause, kept on putting it down to that and it wasn't. And so I think it's important, you know, yes, we need to talk about it, but don't think every, th- every symptom you've got is a menopause. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's worth getting it checked out just yeah. to make sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's no, an- another topic that we've gone on for, for a long time. Um, so let's move on to the next thing, which is redundancies, which we spoke about. And I find it incre- incredible that you know, these large businesses are laying off more people than the small businesses. But I guess that's probably a sign of the times. Um, yeah, sometimes
0: you do get bigger businesses that are... Mm. are possibly not operating as leanly mm. as smaller businesses. Mm. I mean, I think we've obviously come through quite a tough time with COVID. Yeah. Um, businesses obviously took the opportunity to furlough staff, but they have they also made quite a few redundant. Yeah. Um, as the businesses are, have come out of COVID, they find it a bit more challenging to recruit. So actually, they may not have, they're operating possibly under where they should be in terms of the number of staff they're operating with, yeah. or they're operating incredibly leanly mm. because they've maybe reviewed their operations as a result of COVID, and 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 are, you know don't need to make redundancies. Mm. Bigger businesses maybe didn't make the same level of redundancies or furloughed staff, etc. the same you know during mm-hmm. COVID, so they're now looking at their operations, thinking well, actually, you know we don't need as many staff globally. Yeah. Also, I think you know the way we're working is different. Yeah. And, and you know we've got to accept that artificial intelligence in lots of different formats. It's not just robot robots, yeah. is impacting the workplace, mm-hmm. and it's going to result in businesses you know, reviewing what they're doing and think, well actually, do we need as many staff? But you're right, sometimes it starts with the bigger businesses. We certainly had clients that are a bit smaller that are looking at w- working as efficiently as they can. So they are looking at teams and and then thinking about, well actually, do we need five people in that team? We're gonna reduce it down to four. Right. Or perhaps changing what they're all you know, their operating model, um so they're maybe taking out an entire team um and changing the way in which they're they're functioning. Mm. So we are seeing um I would say you know, very, very targeted redundancies that are taking place in the smaller businesses. Okay. The bigger ones obviously make the headlines because there's some substantial thousands yeah. and thousands of people getting made redundant.
1: Yeah, we were looking at the example of, of Google and Asda and Spotify and people like that, wasn't we? Um, I guess the, uh, they, the, maybe a, an upside of it is is that uh, if... Um, the big businesses are laying people off. There's some, there's some good people about there for smaller businesses to be employed yeah, that's with. That's true. Yeah.
0: That's true. I think the only thing is though, if you're used to working for a very big business, yeah. sometimes it's quite a challenge to move to a smaller one. True. Because you've got used to maybe having this IT team that are huge. Yeah. Suddenly you go to a smaller business, and you're like, right, okay, who's the person in IT you need yeah. to get to help? Yeah. So th- there is a there is an adjustment, but mm. I mean that can be overcome. Mm. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, there's some. T- I mean, I always think it's a silver lining. Yeah, would well, be And you yeah. might you might have a silver lining here you yeah. know with all these people coming onto the market they might have the skills that actually would benefit smaller businesses yeah
1: i as you know i've, I've interviewed so many people and a lot of them that have gone unset up set up on their own have been in corporate and they've been made redundant and they've thought that you know they're going to start up on their own they would face those challenges of course they would but um it's made the, the small business world grow and which is you know which is you know sometimes the lifeblood of a community isn't it yeah absolutely and i think you're
0: right i mean i think you you know there are some you know um there's been a lot of businesses during covid we saw a lot of startups because people you know were made redundant they thought actually i don't want to be in this situation again i want to be a bit more in control of my life yeah um and we've done a lot of work with startups because we do business law as well so we've seen and some of them have been phenomenally um successful yeah yeah um and it's been great to work with them and, you know, and I hope, yeah, these people either, you know, find, you know, the silver lining somewhere else yeah. that they're looking for. And if not, um, yeah, you can give yes. it a go, start up the business. I mean, I would say it's, I mean, haven't done it myself. <laughs> think about it we've, carefully. Yeah, we've spoken about
1: <laughs> that, haven't we? Prepare to use your savings. Prepare to, you know, get a bit stressed. Make sure
0: you do your prep and your research yeah. beforehand, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, they're all great topics. Um, if anyone's got any questions on any of those, please get in touch with Pam here at Lock Associates. Yeah. Um, Have a great weekend, Pam, because we're on Friday, aren't we? Um, Have a great weekend. And um, we'll see you all for another podcast soon. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Nick.